0: Hi, I'm Maria The Harris or Velo Sos on Social Media. Welcome back to Server50 Podcast on Soul Organised Style. Grab a cuppa and relax with us. On So Organized Style Podcast, I begin today by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast and pay respects to the elders past and present. Thanks for joining us on Server 50 Podcast on Soul Organized Style. Server50 intersects with all communities. We're a community that is so Over Ageism. Andrew, or at St so Andrew, is today's sober 50 podcast guest. Andrew, thank you for inviting me into your home today.
1: Oh, thank you so much for joining me.
0: It was quite a pleasure for me to actually meet you face-to-face at the Knitting and Sewing show this year.
1: Yeah, that was a wonderful surprise, actually. I had a look on Instagram the night before and suddenly thought, I wonder if any of the people I know are going to be there. So I had a look up and I'd noticed that Sue Stoney was in London. I thought, well, she's got to be there then, hasn't she? And kind of reached out and sent a message. And yeah, met up with a few other friends too. So it was a really good, really good time and great to meet you, of course. Yeah, I don't often go to the sewing shows. So, yeah, it was a really exciting one for me.
0: And you're quite busy, you know, in your normal daily life. I don't know how you fit in the sewing.
1: <laughs> I suppose, yeah. I'm, um, yeah, quite busy. Yeah, so I'm a professional hairdresser. I've been doing that for coming on 30 years now. Uh, before that, I used to be a dancer. I was a professional dancer, started when I was very young. And then went to theatre school and worked professionally for six or seven years. And now I still teach tap dancing just for adults, for fun, in one of the local community centres in Covent Garden. And so, yeah, there's time for hairdressing, there's time for dancing, there's time for sewing. (laughs) I managed to squeeze it all in somehow.
0: And there's time to look after Eloise as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yes, our beautiful French Bulldog. She's just gorgeous. Yeah, she takes up an awful lot of time. (laughs) We always say um, she's a very needy dog, but we're very needy owners. So it balances out well.
0: (laughs) That's lovely. One of the things that I was impressed about was how you made the effort to buy really good fabric to make Eloise a coat.
1: Yes. Yeah, well, nothing but the finest for our little girl. I spent more money on that coat for her, I think, than I did on any outfit I've spent on myself. Yeah, a bit of ex-Liberty wool, silk lining, and stitched buttons. (laughs) But she loves it. She does love to keep the wind off her back. She looks very pretty in it, worth every penny.
0: Yeah, of course, yeah. She's a very loved member of the family, so of course you'd spend the money on her.
1: Oh, absolutely. And that was such a funny day. I think, um, I think Sue in particular just wasn't going to quit until I found the right fabric for Eloise's coat, was she? After that first one disappeared under my very nose. She was like, right, this is the mission.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And <laughs> we were out to do it. That was great fun. <laughs> I always buy fabric when I'm with Sue Stoney. <laughs> Watch out. She's dangerous.
0: She's been on the podcast quite a few times and she's a very good contributor to the sign community.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, she's great fun. I've been really lucky to have met her.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, very lucky. Yeah, she's quite a gem. How did you start sewing?
1: I guess I had a few false starts with sewing, really. I mean, as a kid, we did half a term of sewing at school. At the time, I think we made an apron. I just never really remember it being sold to us, especially the boys, as something that you could really get behind and enjoy doing. It was something that most people ridiculed more than anything. But uh, my mum always had a sewing machine. And um, of course, when I started dancing at the age of 11, I was in the school shows, although mum would never say that she could sew. She always ran up a costume for the dance school panto. And I remember, you know, through the 70s, she showed us how to show triangles into our jeans to make flares. Yeah, I mean, when I was a dancer, I was exposed to a lot of beautiful sewing. I used to hang out quite a lot in the wardrobe department. One of the shows I was in had a big Ziegfeld number. The girls had all these amazing beaded costumes that were so big they couldn't even wear them. They had to be lowered down from the flies onto them to be able to parade in them. And of course, the beads would constantly be flying off wardrobe would call for anyone who wanted to come in and help out sewing bugle beads onto the dresses and stuff so I got to see all of that in action and of course having handmade clothes for me for the shows that was a wonderful treat which I didn't get again for a very long time until I started making my own but I suppose it was watching the sewing bee that really made me realize that that was something that I might be able to do watching watching people make clothes on tv it was a eureka moment for me and I'd always liked making things anyway. i have done woodwork and decorating. And rather than put up a shelf, I'd build a shelf. Rather than put up a cupboard, I'd make a cupboard and that kind of thing. So it just seemed very natural. to Suddenly, once I saw that you could do it, you could put a pair of jeans together by, you know, cutting around the edges and going for it. So uh, I was really intrigued. Started watching all the YouTube videos, seeing what was out there. And I was really lucky. I've got a friend who's really good at sewing. She works in the sewing and fashion industry. She sat with me and said, well, if you're gonna make something, you wanna make something you wanna wear. So let's make a waistcoat that's gonna have as many techniques in it that you can try out. And she was great. She sat over me and she kind of made me do it all, but she was just behind me. Once I ironed something, I turn my back and it would be ironed just a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. She was just making sure everything was polished nicely. You know, I made a waistcoat with a notched collar, welt pockets, buttons and buttonholes, the waist tabs. And that was my first sort of proper garment, really. After that, she just sent me off, left me to it. Um, but I'm always asking advice and little tips and we're always chatting sewing, so it's brilliant. But yeah, I think that kind of jumping in at the deep end really made me get caught in it really quickly. I fell really hard for it. Like a lot of sewers, the immediate thing. I want to make everything. I want to make everything in my wardrobe. And some people slow down and give up. I kept going. (laughs) I kept going. I mean, yeah, almost 100% me made now. Pretty much everything. Yeah, I think when I teach my tap class, I wear theater t-shirt. I wear my King Kong t-shirt from when I saw King Kong on Broadway. That's a shop-bought garment that I wear. But other than that and socks, yeah, it's pretty much all me made now.
0: So what I'm curious about is if you've got all of your garments as me made and your very, very first one was that waistcoat, did you find that moving from something as structured as that to something less structured challenging or not?
1: I think I was quite lucky with that waistcoat because I didn't know how challenging it was. So I just threw myself into it and made it. And then when you're making menswear, yeah, Pretty much everything has something challenging in it. If you're making a shirt, you've got to do collars and cuffs, buttonholes. If you're making a jacket, goodness, you've got all the techniques, sleeves and bagging out and all of that business. If you're making trousers, you've got to do, you can't make most trousers really without putting a fly in them or without putting yeah. some pockets in them. And so you have to do those techniques quite early on in your sewing if you want to make your own garments. Mm. So in that respect, I just found each thing just to be a new... Challenge, another step. I didn't think of it as daunting. I was foolish enough not to think of it as a daunting challenge. And I suppose because I'd achieved this waistcoat, I felt like, well, there's no reason why I can't make this pair of trousers or make this jacket. There's no reason why I can't follow step one, step two, step three. And, you know, obviously some things come out well, some things don't come out so well. But generally I've had wins along the way. So, yeah, that spurred me on to the next one and the next one. And then after a while, and you start seeking out more interesting and more in-depth techniques to be able to push yourself harder. And you look at things and they oh, I haven't done something with that particular minor type of facing. Or, and you look out for patterns that are trickier. And that's been really good fun too.
0: When I've spoken to men who sew on the series, they've always talked about how there's a limited number of patterns. So there's always one or two that they always go back to. So are there any that you go back to?
1: Yeah, I must admit, as um, making menswear, when you need a shirt, you get a shirt that fits you and you don't really need to get another shirt because if the skills are there, I found it quite easy to be able to add a yoke when I wanted a yoke to be able to change collar shape or add darts, take darts away, put a pleat in the back. I mean, you can buy all the shirts with all of those different features to it, but but it's quite easy to add that to one pattern. So when you find one where the shoulders fit well and the collar fits well, I certainly found it quite easy to just keep on making that one again. Yeah. But then I suppose as my shapes changed over time, I've, rather than adapting the pattern, I seem to have gone to a different shirt pattern or I'll get a new shirt pattern, try it out. And for a while, I prefer the fit of that. So I'll go with that one for a while. At the moment, I'm using the Patrons Les B pattern from the French guys. The elegant shirt, that seems to be one I've been using over and over. But funnily enough, I'm using it with the collar from the shirt pattern from The Gentleman's Wardrobe, the Vanessa Moonsie book. Actually, something for men who want to get into sewing, who are looking for patterns, you could do a lot worse than get some of the pattern books where they've got a lot of patterns in one book. Mm -hmm. I started out with one of the Japanese pattern books, Men's Clothes for All Seasons, and it has almost everything. You've got chinos, pyjamas, waistcoats jackets bomber jackets peacoats underwear all sorts or you've got to translate it from the japanese which is tricky especially if you're just learning to sew because you don't even know what the words are that you're looking for but the patterns are there so if you can learn to construct by a youtube video or something like that you can buy these books and you've got all the patterns in there i mean another one i got was the vanessa moonsey book the gentleman's wardrobe That was really good. That's got some really nice classic pieces as well as bags and slippers and a cap, things like that. So you can get for, you know, sort of 20, 30 pounds, whatever it is, you can get a basic wardrobe staple of patterns.
0: Those two resources sound like they're really useful, like gold, because you've got Mm. everything in them.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, you've got everything in there from, let's say, slippers to bags, waistcoats, shirts. And you've got the instructions there, but you've also got all the instructions on YouTube, online, on people's videos. So if you don't like the way somebody's putting something together, or if you don't understand or can't translate it from the book, you can always read how someone else is putting it together. Yeah, it all translates over. So, yeah, they've been really good having books with multi-patterns in. Actually, something that was quite interesting with the Japanese sewing book, and it's the cup was really good for me it was a really good cut but I noticed that with every pattern there were a number of alterations I needed to make just to make the sleeve a little longer Mm -hmm. or the body a little longer and of course that translated to every pattern from the book so it was really easy to make my immediate adjustments as I was tracing the pattern because I got used to how they did it which sort of made it a little bit easier going into a new thing I didn't necessarily have to make a whole new one I already made the shirt so I knew that the jacket the sleeves would be an inch too short yeah the corrections from one pattern led on to another because they were all from the same company
0: oh that would be so helpful
1: mm. I and mean, I'm not sure if that's the same with you know other sewing pattern companies when um you know if it'll always be the same adjustment you need to make to something but but yeah it certainly helped with that book and, and me sewing certainly
0: oh good so you started sewing again because of the influence of the Great British Sewing bee. Where has your sewing taken you now?
1: Well, yeah, goodness, from there, I mean, going online and finding all the tutorials and the blogs and eventually finding Instagram. I mean, it didn't take me very long until I found Peter Lappin's blog, Male Pattern Boldness, Yeah. and Dwayne's Mainly Menswear. They were a massive inspiration to me, and the fact that, you know, men were sewing at such a high level and being vocal about it and sharing was fantastic it made me realize that there was a space for me to do it too going online kind of opened that out a lot more for me and obviously you find a big community of people who've got something in common but from the actual sewing perspective yeah just making 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 sewing my way through the wardrobe but that's also led on to goodness well quite early on I was really lucky I got contacted by Norris Dante Ford and Mimi G to be one of the contributors for their sewing magazine, I'm So So Deaf. It was an online sewing magazine a few years back. and I was quite a new blogger at the time and I mean still like a babe in the woods really but certainly at the time very naive. So Absolutely thrilling to be asked to contribute to that, and sort of getting involved in the system, being part of it, uploading your projects, and you yeah, know, collecting all the photographs, taking the blogging up a level. You know, really yeah, is what it was. It's quite a baptism of fire, and really exciting time. It's a shame the magazine was so short lived, really, in the end. But it was a whirlwind of a time, and really exciting. And since then, I've been really lucky. I was approached by Fiber Mood and they asked if I'd do some social sew-alongs. That started during the lockdown when they stepped up their sew-along program. And I've done, I I think four or five, maybe, sew-alongs for them live on Instagram. That's been really good fun. And becoming a FAF ambassador, that was really exciting. I get to play with the fancy machines now. I mean, that's really made it possible to get to use some of the really cool kind of cutting edge, top of the range equipment that I wouldn't necessarily afford for myself. And yeah, so that's been really exciting too. And yeah, it's nice how I've been making for myself and friends and others, but I've been able to get a few opportunities in teaching, which has been really good fun. I think naturally I've always gone to teaching from a hobby. Like I danced as a hobby and then I performed as a dancer and now I teach tap dancing. I'm a hairdresser. I've also taught hairdressing. Now I haven't taught myself to sew. I guess I'm interested in sharing that with other people. So yeah, I've got a few exciting things coming up there, which all just the big progression, I guess the natural progression for me is to sort of head into teaching rather than doing it for people. I'd rather show people how to do it themselves. And it's nice part of the ever-evolving hobby of sewing of every hobby, of everything really. Just a bit of constant evolving keeps you on your toes, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. This teaching that you're talking about, is that something that we're going to look forward to in 2023?
1: Yeah, well, hopefully Actually, I've got some coming up and they'll have happened already by the time this comes out. Okay. So on the 4th of December, I've got involved with a group called EcoLife Eastbourne and um, it's eco-driven group. One of the ladies involved is a sewer and they have open sessions, mending and repair sessions, but they also teach classes. And Nida invited me along to go and teach some classes in their November, December sessions. So I'm going to teach how to make a dog harness, inspired by the ones I've been making for Eloise. Good. And I'm also going to do a welt pocket workshop. So three different styles of welt pockets. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. So um, yeah, if you're listening to this now, it's happened in the past, but look out for it in the future. That's um Eco Life Eastbourne on Instagram. You find all the details there. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. That'll be my first face-to-face in-person sewing lessons.
0: Wow. Honestly, Andrew, it's so refreshing to hear that you've taken up sewing, like you take up something and then you pass it on to others. So it's really good from a community perspective that if you learn something, you're happy to pass on that skill to other people. It's very good.
1: That is what I've always done. It's like, wow, look, I've learned this. You can do it too. (laughs) And that's kind of how I've always been.
0: Yeah, that's really good for people to hear and to be encouraged that they can, they're learning something, they can pass that on to other people.
1: Oh, absolutely. There's always something to learn from somebody else. And if you like the way they're doing it, if you don't like the way they're doing it, there's always something to learn.
0: That's right, yeah. When did you discover the Sober 50 community?
1: Quite early on, I think, quite a lot of people I follow were talking about it. A lot of people I follow are in the SOA fifty group and as I was approaching the cusp of it, it was I was aware that, you know, all around me anyway. So um yeah, I think I've been aware of it from very early on. And well, having just recently turned fifty myself, now a fully fledged member of SOA fifty. So <laughs> thrilled to be a fully fledged part of the group.
0: If SOA fifty intersects with all communities, so it's okay. It doesn't matter what age you are. Yeah,
1: absolutely. No, I was always following, even from yeah, 48, 49. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's great.
1: It's lovely, actually, the, the response you get. Isn't it? I mean, that's the whole thing with Instagram, isn't it? Everyone's so warm and it's always been, you know, I don't think I've ever really had a negative response from Instagram at all. Yeah, it's always been very friendly there, which is good.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a really positive experience. So I'm pleased to be able to support Server 50.
1: Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Just kind of by doing what I do and talking about it, hopefully enabling other people, you know, I think there there are a lot of messages, aren't there? For You know, everyone has their, sew up your scraps, do it, love it, enjoy it, sewing for everyone. <laughs> so that's my message.
0: Andrew, of all the things that you've sewn, what has been one of your greatest achievements?
1: I suppose the biggest achievement was for my nephew's wedding, I made the suit. And that felt great because it was the culmination of everything I'd been making, really. It was a little while ago now, you know, with the waistcoats, making shirts and the jackets and trousers. And just having everything at the level where I felt confident wearing all of it in one go to a wedding, standing up in front of everyone. I mean, technically, it was a five piece because I made the shirt and the tie to go with it as well.
0: Oh, wow. So, uh,
1: Yeah, the three pieces of the suit and the shirt and tie. My mum hand knitted the socks and and I did have some very fancy handmade shoes, but they weren't made by anyone I knew. But also I think your greatest achievement is the last thing you've made when it's got all your best skills in it. It's got your best top stitching on it. You've every time I invest that little more, I think, yes, I will get the right thread. I will make sure I've got the right needle rather than making do with the one that I think will do. And by fine tuning the skills each time, I'm, I'm just always so pleased with the last thing that I've ever made. <laughs>
0: oh, that's really good. So you must have some wonderful photos of that suit that you made.
1: There are a few. Yes. I, must, I find getting photographs so difficult. Never actually had, I think, an official photo shoot where I've gone out specifically with outfits and dressed up. I just grab Mr. A and say, this is nice light. Take a picture of me now. Quick, <laughs> take a picture. <laughs> and I'll get a few begrudging shots out before the dog goes running off down the beach or something. And those will have to do. That's uh, that's usually how I get my photos. So, uh, yeah, any moment where I get to stand and pause, take a breath, practice smiling, that's always a lot easier. But, yeah, there's a few pictures of the suit. They are back on my Instagram. And so, yeah, we've got some beautiful pictures down there. And my outfit stayed together. (laughs) Nothing fell off. (laughs) Nothing fell apart. Everything fitted. So that was good.
0: (laughs) Oh, good. I can't imagine you wearing a suit that would not hold its own. No way.
1: I remember the very first time I wore a pair of trousers that I'd made into work and I was traveling on the tube and I went to go sit down and I realized they were quite tight. (laughs) So I stood up for the journey and for the whole day, all I could imagine was this one small thread of polyester holding my dignity together (laughs) and thinking I wish I'd worn black underwear. (laughs) And thankfully they did stay together. But um, Since then I always sew the back seam twice.
0: Uh (laughs) Uh-huh.
1: that's uh, that's, a yeah that's a top tip if you're frightened of your menswear anywhere in fact
0: yeah so that's a top tip for any sewer
1: (laughs) yes absolutely yeah any dangerous seams sew them twice
0: oh definitely i've always wondered about that but i don't do it i think now i will so that's one tip for new sewers is to make sure that you
1: sew your seat seam twice absolutely
0: (laughs) what other gems should people know when they're sewing
1: well, I always think when you're going to start sewing, you know what it is that you really want to sew in the long run, you know. So if you want to make shirts and jackets and trousers, you're going to get bored really quickly making zippy pouches and teapot covers or, yeah. you know, pot holders. You know, I was quite in at the deep end. Luckily, I had a friend to help me with that waistcoat. But, you know, if you want to make shirts and trousers, then start making pyjamas, maybe go for kind of the simpler version of what it is that you want to make. And if you can make a pajama top, then you can make a Hawaiian shirt, a camp collar shirt. You can make the trousers without a fly to start with. And then you can introduce a fly. You could do a button fly. And before you know it, you're putting in zip flies. You can do them without pockets, without piping, with pockets and piping. So you can really start to get a good few techniques and start to get an idea of how things fit you on a baggier format first. And then scaling up that way. So kind of, you know, take the shortest route towards what you want to sew and don't be afraid to make mistakes and sew your crotch seam twice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point to finish up on.
1: (laughs) Yes, my advice for life. Never walk backwards and sew your crotch seam twice. (laughs) Give you a long and healthy life, I promise you.
0: (laughs) Andrew, thank you for coming onto the podcast for Saber Fifty and sharing with us how you got into sewing and what keeps you sewing.
1: Well thank you, Maria. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure.
0: My pleasure's mine, and yeah, you know, I'm really glad that we've been able to catch up again.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank you. So, uh, well, next time you're in London, you'll have to look me up, or oh, no indeed problem. by the coast.
0: Yes, <laughs> at least to see Eloise wearing her coat too.
1: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> bye. Bye bye.
0: This episode for over Fifty Podcast on Soul Organized Style was produced by me, Maria Harris, with permission of So Andrew. Sound by BenSound dot com. Listeners, if you want to provide a guest post for So over 50, make sure you direct message Judith and Sandy at the So over 50 account on Instagram. Also, keep an eye out for the next So 50 live event that Bird and Molly are hosting. Remember, these So over 50 live events will always be available on the So over 50 account. You can subscribe to Solga Nice Style Podcast but with an S not a Z on all good podcast apps. Make sure you go back and listen to our free So over 50 podcast archive And if you can, consider supporting the production of this podcast on Patreon so I can keep producing it for you. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.